Pastor Ed Taylor reminding us of what our greatest need really is and the one who came down to earth to provide. You come into this room from all different backgrounds and all kinds of going on and, and you know, your greatest need. Just using that phrase, so many, well, my greatest need is this and I've got this issue over here. I've got this bill to pay. I've got this family situation. I've got, no, no, no. Your greatest need is the forgiveness of sin. And your greatest need, my greatest need was met by God's greatest deed on the cross of Jesus Christ. This is amazing grace. and Merry Christmas. In just a moment, we'll be sharing a Christmas message from Pastor Ed Taylor here on Abounding Grace. No doubt today you'll be exchanging quite a few gifts, and some of them may be returned very shortly, or even go into a closet and forgotten about. Others might be used and enjoyed for a season, but today we'd like to draw your attention to a never-ending gift. How does that sound? It's the greatest gift of all that you can receive this Christmas. Here's Ed in Luke chapters 2 through 4 to tell us about it. The Savior was given to the world, not just to a select few. If I was to share a little bit of my testimony with, me, with you, I'm sure that you would come back and say, you know what, Ed, you needed God. And you'd be right. I needed Him even worse than I could. I needed Him and I was in such a worse condition that I can't even describe how bad it was because only God knows how bad it was. But friend... If you've made better choices than I have, had a better upbringing than I did, said no to a few things more than I said no, you still need God. Because the Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. When the baby was born, the baby, the Savior, was for the world. It was a, it, it was a birth of the Son of God motivated by the love of God. He wants to preach deliverance. Notice he also says that he's come to give recovery of sight to the blind. Again, this is a twofold application. Both the physically blind, as we see Jesus bringing sight back to the physically blind miraculously, but more so to the spiritually blind. And that's an interesting thing to consider. That you can both be able to see physically but not see things spiritually, which is the true condition of everyone apart from God, where you can see, you can see, and you can hear, like right now, you're following along with me, you're listening to the words that I'm saying, and you're processing the definition of them, you're hearing the sentences, you're putting the pieces together, and so it's not like you don't understand my words, you just don't understand the spiritual significance of them yet, but God is opening your eyes. Because even though we're spiritually blind apart from Christ, the, the beautiful thing is all we need to do is open the Bible and begin to read it and share the good news of Jesus Christ. And miraculously, God begins to open eyes. And he draws. You know, nobody can come to the Father. Nobody can make this decision to come to the Father unless the Father draws 
him to the Son. The, Holy, the work of the Holy Spirit on the earth today is to bring conviction. Conviction. Because conviction will lead to change and repentance. To turn your life around, away from the direction you're going, and to turn it toward God. You see, Christmas is so significant. It not only brings joy and happiness at a baby born, but it also brings joy and happiness in many people turning to the one who gave his life for them. Jesus wants to open your eyes today so that you might see spiritually. You know, Jesus, he also brings hope through these messages. You find hope in him, not, not wishful thinking, not the idea, well, I hope this and I hope this happens. No, no, hope on a biblical scale with Bible understanding, hope is settled fact. It's, it's trusting God on a settled fact. And I hope in God. That means I trust him. And I can connect directly with the God of all creation by faith. There is an intended end in your life in God. There's true hope. Not only hope, but faith. All of these things, all of these things encompass faith where he says, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Faith. When Jesus says, today's the scriptures fulfilled in your hearing, that's not only a past event, but it's a continuing event. He is still fulfilling this in our hearing today. He brings with us the strength to believe. For every person that's put their faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that God has given us a measure of faith. The very faith that we believe with comes from him. And he hears, he's, he brings that gift to you. He says, accept it. But you know, not only does he bring hope and faith, but he brings the gift of love, like real love, true love. This is a special one for me because I didn't really understand love growing up. It's not that my parents didn't care for us, care for me, or take care of me. They did. But I didn't reciprocate it very well. I didn't understand this self-sacrificial love, the love of God. The love of God is not like the love of the world. You guys know that. <laughs> the love of the world is romantic and syrupy and selfish. Love is always measured of what the person can do for you. That's not the love of God. There's actually a word. You might have heard it before. There's a word in the original language, in the Greek language. There's the word agape or agapeo, the verb form. And it literally re represents the supernatural love of God. How did he demonstrate it? Where do we look for love? How do we see? What is the love of God? Well, well, the Bible says that God demonstrated his love toward us, that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. That's love. Jesus, again, would put it this way. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friend. Well, God went a step further, and he laid down his life for his enemies. And because of that, we are able to be saved today. Talk about a gift list. <laughs> Talk about things you can take home and unwrap and enjoy for all of eternity. You know, the greatest gift that Jesus brought is salvation itself. It's a right relationship with God. There is no other way. There's no other alternative. There's no other way to God except through Jesus Christ. You may follow this religion and that religion. You might have dabbled in this over here. You might have created your own religion. But Jesus said this. 
He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus said. It's, it's his words. He declares an absoluteness about who he is and how to get your life right with God. The idea that all roads lead to God is actually there's some truth to that. You go, Ed, what do you mean? Well, any road that you choose in life, it's going to end in the presence of God. You're going to have to stand before God and give account for your life. Now, every road doesn't lead to salvation, but all of us will stand before God to give account for our lives, to give account really for what we did with the message of the gospel that you're hearing today. <laughs> what will you do with Jesus? Will you receive him? Will you express your belief in him? Will you respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit? Salvation is available. I read this every year. It's a quote that I found. It's just so encouraging. I don't know who wrote it, but it goes like this. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, then God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, then God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, then God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent us a savior. I love that. God gave us what we needed. Our greatest need... Here you are today, you know, you, you come into this room from all different backgrounds and all kinds of going on, and, and you know, your greatest need, just using that phrase, so many, well, my greatest need is this, and I've got this issue over here, I've got this bill to pay, I've got this family situation, I've got, no, 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 your greatest need is the forgiveness of sin. And your greatest need, my greatest need was met by God's greatest deed on the cross of Jesus Christ. They took him down off the cross, as was the custom. They put him in a tomb. They rolled a large stone in front of the opening. They sealed it and put armed guards to watch it 24 hours a day. What they anticipated was seven days a week. But three days later, the stone was rolled away and Jesus rose again from the dead. He's alive right now, using the words of his scriptures to speak to you. Jesus sacrificed himself. I mean, it's a hard concept to digest in this narcissistic, self-centered world to think that that baby was born to die in order to bring it about as it is this day, so many people benefiting from his sacrifice for you and for me. Jesus taught me how to love. He's teaching me how to love. It's one of the greatest gifts that I've ever received aside from the forgiveness of my sin was to learn how to love, how to lay down my life in various ways. It's one of the joys of following Jesus as, as he teaches me those loveless parts of my life that require my attention and my submission, my humility, and asking God to fill the void and remove my selfish self-centered part of me to lay it before the cross very figuratively so that he might use me as a vessel of love. God wants to teach you love. Some of you, that, that was just a word from the Lord for you, that love is a foreign concept to you. It's hard to even fathom you being a loving person or even the definitions that you have of love. God wants to take you a step farther 
He wants to bring about His love in you, but that only happens through relationship. This weekend, I had a very strong burden, and I find it happening more and more in my life personally, as a pastor, as a friend, as a fellow believer on the journey with so many of you. But I have a strong burden for the backslider and the prodigal this weekend. The prodigal. Now, if you're a prodigal, you know what the word means. But for those of you that don't, Jesus told us a story. He told us of a story of a dad with two sons. One of his sons decided that it was enough. He didn't want to live under dad's roof anymore. He didn't want to do things dad's way anymore. He wanted to go off to the big city, try life on his own. So he comes to his dad and he says, you know, dad, I don't don't want to wait for you to die to get my inheritance, my portion. Can I have my inheritance now? Can I have my money now? I'm going to go try life. I don't want to live here anymore. I want to go try life. And dad, being very gracious, gave him half the inheritance, gave him his inheritance, loaded his son up with money and gave him the freedom to express and experience life. So the son, he heads off to the city and man, wouldn't you know it? The city was filled with brand new people and lots of friends. All these new friends in his life. And they lived it up. But they lived it up in such a way where it was wasteful. That's what the word prodigal means, wasteful. The young man was throwing his life away. He was throwing his life away with people that didn't really care about him didn't really have his best interests at heart. You go, Ed, how do you know that? Because in the story, when the money ran out, the friends ran out. Because they weren't real friends. And not only did he experience the loss of his friends and the loss of his money, but the economic situation in the land at the time was very, very bad. And the only job that he could find was feeding pigs. The existence of this boy who had it all in his dad's house in just a few decisions is feeding pigs separated from his family, miserable. And it was there feeding pigs that he began to think and talk to himself. He began to measure his life. Now he had some comparison. He was measuring his life, thinking about how good he had it with dad, how bad he has it now. I mean, the Bible, Jesus says that the, the, guy was, the kid was so hungry that he would have eaten what he was feeding to pigs is how hungry he was. And he started thinking, he says, you know, I'm going to go home. No, I don't think I want to go home. I'm going to go home. You know, if I do go home, it would be better if I was just a servant. I don't even want to be a son anymore. I'd be better off as one of my dad's servants, just working in his vineyard, working in his, than than to go back as a son. I'm going to go back. And he does, with the full intention of just being his dad's servant. And as he approaches near home, there is a scene that Jesus gives. And, and it says, when his father saw him afar off, his dad took off and ran toward him. And far from being a servant, the son came back a son because he never stopped being a son. He wasn't a very smart son, but he was always a son. And the father gave him the freedom to make the decisions with his life that he wanted to make. If he wanted to suffer the consequences of bad decisions, so be it. And yet he was also a loving dad that was available that if son wanted to come home, well, man, he didn't just come home, but he welcomed him home, threw him a party, got got him gifts and said, my son, my son is home. Some of you have been far away from God. You see, because the story represents our father in heaven. 
And the sun represents many men and women that have wandered away from God, that have wasted the last year or five years. Who knows how long? You've lived prodigally. You've lived wastefully with all that God has entrusted to you. And God is saying, come home. Come home. You're welcome home, son. You're welcome home, daughter. No more backsliding. The day and age that we live in within the church of Jesus Christ requires a seriousness about us. The people that we live next door to, the people that we work with require a seriousness in us that we're serious about the things of God, that we take our relationships seriously, that we take our family seriously and we raise our kids in the ways of the Lord. Dads and and husbands, that you love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, that you submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. That in that family unit that pictures the beautiful relationship between Jesus and his church, that it requires no more wasteful living. It's time to come home. It's time to return. It's time to humble yourself and come to that decision and say, look, Look, it'd be better if I was a servant. Well, then come back with a servant's attitude and watch the Father embrace you and receive you and forgive you and restore you as you return repentant and humble. Wherever you are today, whether you are backslidden, you know, prodigal living, a prodigal son or daughter, or you've never submitted your life to God, at all. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and dine with him and he with me. It's relational. These are relational terms. Hey, I'm at the door knocking. Those of you familiar with the Bible, you know who Jesus is saying this to? A church, a gathering just like this. And he uses a beautiful picture of, hey, I'm waiting for you. Open up. Let me in. That baby did grow up. The baby grew up and lived a holy, righteous, perfect life, untouched by sin. He died and rose again from the dead and invites you into relationship with him today. If you haven't received him yet, do that now, knowing that the gifts that come in relationship with Jesus, good news, healed hearts, freedom from sin, open spiritual eyes, deliverance from your bondage, hope, faith, love, salvation. Is it any wonder that Isaiah writes in Isaiah 9, verse 6, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government or the rulership of lives will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of His rulership and peace there will be no end upon the throne of David and over His kingdom to order it, establish it with judgment and justice from this time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. With your Bible still open, would you please turn over to Isaiah for a moment, chapter 61. Again, if you have a hard time finding Isaiah, you can ask the person next to you, or I'll just read it to you. No need to be embarrassed. You'll learn Isaiah 61. The verse that we used for the theme of our Christmas services this year was actually in Isaiah 61, verse 10. Isaiah 61, or chapter 61, verse 10. 
I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He's covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the earth brings forth its bud and the garden causes things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all nations. I mean, it's just a beautiful thing. My soul shall be joyful in God. He's clothed me with salvation, the robe of righteousness. Now, notice verse 1. Remember in Nazareth, Jesus walks into a synagogue on that precise day and that precise moment for this precise reading. They handed him what? Not any scroll, but the scroll of Isaiah. Now, they didn't have chapters and verses back then, So as he opens it up, he comes right here to what we know as Isaiah 61, verse 1, which says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And Jesus, what does he say? He says, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. And he's saying the same thing today, now. Today, this is being fulfilled in your hearing by the ever-presence of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who's alive. He's alive, inviting you into relationship. You're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. And Ed, Merry Christmas to you and your family. Well, Larry, Merry Christmas to you from Marie, Josh, Caitlin, and all the fellowship family here at Calvary Aurora. Well, Pastor Ed, in today's message, you address both the prodigal and those who are apart from the Lord today. And I can't help but think but someone listening right now is in that place or, or knows of someone who is. Could you take a moment to pray for them as we close? You know, Larry, I would count it a great privilege uh, to pray. So, Father, we just ask that on this important day, this beautiful day where we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, I pray for those that are a little torn. Uh, It's a glorious day of celebration, but at the same time, there are those hurting. uh, There are those that are not walking with you today. There are those that love those (laughs) that aren't walking with you. And so would you pour out in a an overabundance of your grace on the moms, the dads, the grandmas, the grandpas, and specifically for the prodigal. I pray today on this Christmas day that you would bring them to the end of themselves, that they might experience your goodness. Your word says that it's the goodness of God that brings a person to repentance. And Paul even wrote, Lord, like, don't you know that it's the goodness of God? And so for those that are prodigal today, that they would know of your love and goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. Merry Christmas, guys. Amen. Thanks again, Ed. And friend, if you'd like to hear today's message again, you can drop by calvaryaurora.org. Do a search for Jesus Christ, the never-ending gift. 
You might also want to add our apps to your mobile devices so you can listen when it's most convenient. Look for the Calvary Aurora app and the Grace FM Colorado app when you do a search for Calvary Aurora. Here in the month of December, we picked out a great book we think you'll enjoy and get a lot out of. It's called The Case for Christ. Like a journalist would do, Lee Strobel does a personal investigation, searching out evidence that would either confirm or deny Jesus as the Son of God, Savior of the world. And we'll send it to you when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more today. Please remember that it's through your support that we're able to bring Abounding Grace to your radio station every day. Maybe the Lord is stirring your heart to get involved in this radio ministry. We are so thankful for each and every gift that comes in, large or small. We can be reached toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or turn to calvaryaurora.org. Again, we can be reached at 877-30-GRACE. From all of us at Abounding Grace, Merry Christmas. We'll catch you back here tomorrow when Pastor Ed Taylor will return to his study in 1 Kings. We'll learn that God will meet us in a very special way when we're down. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado.